You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. You know, you can tell a lot about people by the clothes that they wear. Mm. The clothes that we choose often reflect our values, our priorities, our culture, and in our culture, sometimes even our status. The clothes we wear are often linked um, with actions that we're doing. We wear work clothes. We wear sports clothes. We wear gym clothes. That might be more linked to what we want people to think about what we're doing rather than what we're actually doing. Hmm. Oh, hurt us. Um, We wear clothes for going out. We wear clothes for relaxing. Like, I get home, and as quick as I can, the jeans are off and the sweatpants are on. I've never seen somebody like, you know, it's like as soon as you get home, the, the, the gym pants are on, the whatever, whatever it is. Like, you know, we have different clothes that we wear. In our Western culture, we have very heavily linked the idea of our identity and our status with the clothing that we wear. I don't know if that's always helpful, but it is a reality that we have heavily linked identity with what we put on. Um, I don't know if you guys ever watched like Hollywood red carpets. It's not my favorite thing ever, but Elodie does like watching the Logies or like the Brownlow red carpets to see the dresses. And one of the questions they ask of you know the actors and actresses or the you know the the sports players and their their wives and partners is, who dressed you? Who are you wearing? It's a very interesting thought in light of this thought as believers that we're called to put on Christ. Who are you wearing? It says this in Romans 13, verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, gratifying its desires. We're starting a new series today that we've called Dressed for the Kingdom. And my question for you this morning is who are you wearing? Not who's designed your clothes. Not, you know, look at the label and, you know, who who made the shirt that I have on. No, no. Spiritually, who are you wearing? What are you wearing? What have you, put, what have you decided to put on, and what do you need to possibly put off? And over the coming weeks, we're going to unpack the significance of some of the things that the Lord um, has called us to put on, to, to, to clothe ourselves with, that he, he calls us as believers to say, um, to put these things on. And it's not just what these things are. So I don't want us to just like get st- stuck at the surface level of, you know, what are the things that we're called to put on? But actually, how does that shape our identity? How do we live our lives as followers of Jesus because of what he's called us to put on and to put off? What's the spiritual clothing as sons and daughters of the Most High God? What's the spiritual clothing of a kingdom of priests, as we've been talking about, whose calling is to to extend the kingdom and to make disciples how does that transform who we are, how we see ourselves, our identity? Because we, you know, like, I, like I said at the start, we very heavily link our identity with what we wear, even in the natural. What does it mean, what does it look like to be dressed for the kingdom? Not just for our own selves, for our own promotion, but for the sake of the kingdom. See, often in the Bible, the act of taking off clothes becomes a, a, a symbol a, and putting on clothes not just taking off, but take what we lay aside and what we put on becomes a symbol of a person's spiritual state. Old Testament priests, it says, would put on linen garments to perform their religious duties. 
Um, I, I got a lot of scripture for you this morning. Um, thank you, Dom. He's going to try and keep up with you. But some of them I'm just going to give you references for. Um, so this one, um, yeah, the, the, the picture of the priests. Exodus 29, verse 1 to 9. Exodus 40, verse 12 to 15. Leviticus 16, verse 1 to 4. Just references if you want. I'm not just making this up. Um, it's there. You can go read it later. Um, the, the garments that they put on, they, they were white garments that symbolized pu- the purity of God, the, uh, the purification rites that they'd gone through before they were worthy to approach him. Now, we've been talking about being a kingdom of priests. What does that look like for us now? Because of Jesus' sacrifice now, it's not about what we wear on the outside. The series is not about, okay, you've got to go buy a new wardrobe on the outside. The series is about actually putting on Jesus, which allows us to draw near to God. It's about spiritual garments. The Bible also talks about people putting on Sinful garments, garments of violence, Psalm 73, verse 6, garments of prostitution, Ezra 16, verse 16. Even the priests sometimes would wear defiled clothes. Lamentations 4, verse 13 to 14 talks about this. And as we go through this series, my prayer is that as sons and daughters and as priests, we would recognize, we would become aware of any defiled clothes that we're wearing, any thought patterns, any areas of unbelief, any patterns of action, any, things, uh, any areas of, of a lack of action, and that we would actually put them off. Things that don't line up with God's word and what he says about us, our identity in him, that we would put those things off and that we would put on the things of the kingdom. This is not just an educational process so that we know more about, oh, what are the things that God says? It's a transactional process so that we lay aside some spiritual things that we're not supposed to be wearing and we put on the things of the kingdom. My prayer is that we be dressed for the kingdom and our identity and our calling in Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we, we read about, um, we, we read of putting off the deeds of darkness that belong to our old nature, and putting on righteousness. Romans 13, verse 12 says this. The night is far gone, and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Great verse. Ephesians 4, verse 22 to 23. says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, verse 9 to 10 says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. There's a lot in the scripture about putting off and putting on, about laying aside and about being clothed with. As believers, we should be clothed in attitudes and in actions that actually reflect the work of the Holy Spirit within us. That we're being transformed into the image of Jesus. Ultimately, as believers, we're going to put on an eternal body like a garment. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 2 to 5 says this. For in this tent, it's talking about our like fleshly body. In this tent, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may, be found, uh, we may not be found naked. 
For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very great thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. What an amazing scripture. It's talking about that we're being sanctified, that we're becoming more like Christ, and we long and we groan for that day when we actually put on in eternity the fullness of what Christ has prepared for us. I'm really kind of, I'm excited over the coming weeks to delve into these different areas um, and let this truth mold us and shape us. Um, Like the the more I've kind of jumped into this and the more we study, and there's going to be a few different people that share, the more I've been like, wow, this is like, there's such a depth and a power to this because it is intrinsically linked with our identity and with who we are and with actually what we think about ourselves. It's amazing how you can be wearing daggy, like we call them gardening clothes, but you might have another thing. It might be you're working on your car clothes or your, your, your bummy clothes or whatever it is. You're sort of, you know, just the clothes that you're just like slobby in. Your what? Your COVID clothes. Oh, don't take us back there. You, you said enough of the QR thing. Like, let's just leave that one aside. You know, and you don't necessarily feel good about yourself. They're comfortable. You look at me like, oh, I don't know about that. But then... Yeah, you, like your painting clothes. But when you get dressed up, you know, you go out and you, you put on you know, some nice clothes. Or you put on a suit. It's amazing how a suit kind of can cover the soft, like, flabby bits and make you look a little bit more, I don't know, buff. It's amazing how a nice dress can kind of lift how we feel about ourselves. Hey, easy, easy, easy. I didn't how we feel about ourselves. Let me finish the sentence. I believe there's going to be such power and transformation in this as we actually lay aside spiritual garments that actually don't fit and we shouldn't be wearing and make us feel less than and put on what Jesus has intended for us it actually makes us go, hey, look at me. I'm a son of, I'm a son of the living God. I'm a daughter of the living God. Look at me. I'm, I'm dressed for the kingdom. I'm ready for kingdom impact. So all of that so far has been an introduction to the series. Ten minutes of introduction. Today, I, I want to start the series today with the garment of salvation. That we put on the garment of salvation. This has to be the starting point. It's like the entry point to everything else that comes after. And so if we don't get the garment of salvation, we don't get the start. And we're going to delve into some other things. And to be honest, a lot of the scripture I'm going to read this morning will reference some of the other garments that we're going to unpack in the coming weeks. But we're going to leave them for future weeks. So I'm going to do my very best to not get on a tangent and start to preach somebody else's preach for the weeks that are going to come. But I want to start with the garment of salvation. I don't know if you've ever seen this before. But taken all together, because I hadn't seen this before until I started studying for this series. Taken all sort of together, the Bible's symbolic use of clothing provides a record or a thread of salvation history. It's actually amazing to see the history of salvation from Genesis to Revelation in terms of being clothed by the Lord. 
So let, let me unpack this for you because I find it really interesting. Can you, can you um, humor me this morning by letting me share with you what I found really interesting in my study of this? Is that all right? So we start this off. Prior to the fall, Adam and Eve did not have any need for clothing. Genesis 2 verse 25 says this, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Leanna touched on this last week. Um, she was talking about the, the, the first home in the garden. Didn't Leanna do an amazing job last week in just unpacking those different homes? Thank you. But she touched on this, that they, like, before the fall, before sin entered, says they were naked and not ashamed. But after they sinned, they were ashamed and they sought clothing as a way to hide their guilt and shame. It says this in Genesis 3, verse 7. And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made for themselves loincloths. And then in Genesis 3, verse 21, it says, God himself literally provides clothing for them. It says this, And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. See, this served their need temporarily, but they needed a permanent solution to their shame. See, the fact that they became aware of their nakedness was less about them actually being physically naked. It was more about the guilt and shame that they felt because of their sin and being spiritually laid bare before the Lord. They had walked with the Lord in the garden and they suddenly are aware, I'm guilty. There's a shame and they wanted to hide from the Lord. It wasn't about necessarily the physical. It was about the spiritual guilt and shame that they felt. And some of you, I, I believe this morning, are in this place. And the Lord wants to clothe you. You're going to see the history of the Lord saying, I'm going to clothe you with garments of salvation. It's not about being uh, physically clothed. It's about covering your guilt and your shame and actually paying the price so that we can be restored to relationship with God the Father. Eventually, God provided a promise we see in the Old Testament of garments of salvation. In Isaiah 61, it's a prophecy about Jesus coming. It says this in verse 3 and verse 10. Verse 3 says, um, To grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Verse 10 says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robes of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like, like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. That's the promise of the garments of salvation. It's a beautiful exchange of mourning and ashes and a faint spirit for beauty, gladness, and praise. Why do we praise when we gather together. Yes, Psalm says that we enter his gates or his presence with praise and thanksgiving. I think praise, though, is a response of a heart overflowing with joy of saying, God, you've clothed me with salvation. This, it's a recognition of this beautiful exchange that I was broken and mourning and covered in shame and guilt, yet because of your sacrifice, I've, I, I, I'm now, I, I now walk in joy and I walk in, uh, it, it, you see me in beauty and in righteousness, and what can I do but praise? What else can I do but say, thank you, Lord, you're worthy, you're worthy, all that I am is yours. This is an exchange of shame and brokenness for robes of righteousness and beauty. 
There's also God vows to cover Israel's nakedness. Because Israel in the Old Testament is a picture or a foretype of us as the church. It says this in Exodus 16, verse 8. When I passed by you again, I saw you. Behold, you are at the age of love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into, your, uh, into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. In Revelations 3, verse 18, this is the end of the Bible. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Salvation is betrayed symbolically as changing our filthy rags, our, our filthy clothes for white clothes, for something that is undefiled which is an action that only God can do. You can't change yourself to the point of salvation. The Bible is very clear that salvation is by faith alone, not by works, lest no one can boast. You can't, by some act of your willpower, go, I'm going to lay aside you know, my brokenness and my guilt and my shame. I'm just going to, to uh, evolve into a better person who can have relationship with the divine God. It's only through Jesus. Salvation is the exchange, and it's an action that only God can do. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says this. The reason I'm giving you lots of scripture, because this is key. This is not just a good idea. This is foundational for our walk with the Lord. So Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, For we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Zechariah 3, verse 3 to 5 says, Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel, and when it's talking about the angel, um, this angel of the Lord, it says in verse 1, is actually talking about Jesus. Sometimes Jesus is referred to as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. So it says, And the angel said to those who were standing before him, before Joshua, Remove the filthy garments from him, And to him he said, behold, this is why you know it's Jesus, because Jesus says this, behold, I have taken your iniquities away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the Lord was standing by. In Revelation 7, verse 14, it says, and he said to me, these are the ones... Coming out of the great tribulation, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The culmination of salvation. We see this thread through history. But the culmination of salvation is when the believers stand before God as a bride adorned for her husband. For those of you who have been married or have ever been part of a wedding, the moment that the bride appears, whether it's at the end of the aisle or in the garden or wherever the wedding is, usually it's the moment that the bridegroom is overwhelmed with emotion, how beautiful she is, and begins to weep or, you know, it's just a beaming smile of joy. It's lovely. There's like this amazing thing of like, oh, my bride is there, adorned, you know, you dressed up, this, the, the, the wedding dress, the makeup, the hair, the, 
you know, all the things that go into the wedding day. The culmination of salvation is when we get to stand before Jesus, and the, the picture is this, as the bride on her wedding day. And I think Jesus, at the risk of sounding sacrilegious, has the same response, where he just is beaming with joy, almost with tears in his eyes, saying, that's my bride that I gave my life for. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a, jewel, with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Revelations 21 verse 2 says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I don't know about you, but I find this thing of like salvation history in light of being clothed with the garments of, of salvation fascinating. Some of you guys might be like, I don't know, you know, whatever, I don't care. I just find that fascinating. I, I find it fascinating that, that Jesus is like giving us this thread from Genesis through to Revelation of this idea of being clothed. Because it makes sense to us. It's like we, we get that. And I love that the Bible gives us pictures that make sense to us. And we go, that, I understand that. Because to be honest, a lot of following Jesus, a lot of like the spiritual exchange doesn't fully make sense to us. Like how, you know, how am I becoming more like Christ and less like myself? And how does salvation actually work in eternity? And I'm trying to grasp this idea and I can't because my mind's finite and I can't really get eternity and forever and ever. But this makes sense. I'm dressed in filthy rags. I can't come before the king, but he says, take off those filthy rags. I'm going to give you the garment of salvation so you can come before the king. I'd never seen this thread before I started studying for this series. Right from Genesis to Revelation, the salvation thread in Scripture linked to being clothed in the Lord. Next week, we're going to jump deeper into this idea of um, what does it mean for us to be covered with the robe of righteousness? See, that's one of the benefits of the garment of salvation, is that it gives us a robe of righteousness. And I'm not going to start preaching it because that's for next week. Um, but the starting point of this series, where we want to start today and what we want you know, to knuckle down on and get and respond to is this. Before we get to anything else, is that when we come to Jesus, we're clothed with garments of salvation. We literally put on Christ. It's from this place that everything else flows. It's from this place of putting on Christ that all of the other things, the robes of righteousness, garments of praise, being clothed with power from on high, it all starts from this place of putting on the garment of salvation, of putting on Jesus Christ. And the garments of salvation are a free gift. We can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be good enough to, to, to say, hey, I've done enough. Let me, let, you know, give me the robe. It's a free gift, and it changes everything. Changes everything for us as believers. It changes our very identity. So how are we clothed with Christ? I'll take the time that I have left. I'm going to give you three points. How are we clothed with Christ? How do we put on Christ? Firstly, we're clothed with Christ at conversion. In Galatians 3, verse 26 to 27, Paul writes that in Christ Jesus, 
you, uh, sorry, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So anyone who's committed their life to following Jesus as their Lord and Savior by faith has the status of having put on Christ. But there's a qualifying point here in this scripture. That qualifying point is to have been baptized. How do we put on Christ? We choose to follow him as Lord and Savior and respond to him in obedience by being baptized and by full immersion. How do we put on Christ? We choose and we respond in obedience. I think this is where we see the, differ the differentiation of believing in Jesus Christ and putting on Christ. I think we can believe and are saved, but the act of putting on Christ requires an obedience on our part. To be honest, the act of, I think, of salvation and of following Jesus requires an obedience on our part. I don't think we can say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm not going to be obedient to him. So to put on requires obedience. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So we put on Christ at the point of salvation. Secondly, we're clothed in Christ now. We're clothed in Christ at conversion, and we're clothed in Christ now. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're clothed in Christ. But what does that look like? See, being clothed in Christ portrays this transformation that results from our relationship with Jesus. Leanna shared last week that it's by abiding with him, to be close to him. Why does he, like, she looked at the different homes that he creates, the, the space, the place where we abide, where we live with him, where we're close to him. See, in contrast to living a life of disobedience to God, a disobedience to his ways, Romans 13, 13, Paul instructs us as believers to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, Romans 13, 14. See, sometimes the, 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 the command is to put on certain godly characteristics that are a, a reflection of Jesus Christ himself. Put, uh, Colossians 3, verse 12 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, godly characteristic, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Salvation looks like something. Salvation is not just a ticket to heaven one day. I think, I, I think we, we, we have at the very least cheapened it, and at the most we've bought a lie that salvation is to just say, put my hand up in a meeting, and I've bought my ticket to heaven. No, no, salvation is choosing to, to put on Christ. It looks like something. It transforms who we are and the way we look and act. Putting on Christ is worked out every day that we're here on earth. Otherwise, as, as you may have heard, it would be better if we say, I'm going to follow Jesus for him to kill us right then and there. But it's worked out. Every day we're here on earth by choosing to put him on, to put on Christ. We're called to put on these godly characteristics. As those who are holy, chosen, and loved by God, we put on Jesus. We put on a different identity. We put on faith. We put on the characteristics that are guaranteed by the Holy Spirit. 
We put on kindness. We put on gentleness. We put on praise. We put on meekness. We put on Jesus. We, we, uh, that is the very process. You can say, how am I transformed into the image of Christ? How, how am I sanctified to become more like him? By choosing each day. So yes, we put on Christ at the point of conversion, but then we choose each day. We choose obedience. We choose to put him on. In the moment where I could say, no, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my selfish thing. I'm going to do the sinful thing. I make a choice in that moment to say, no, I'm going to put on Christ because he's paid a price for me. I'm going to respond with kindness. I'm going to respond with gentleness. I'm going to respond with self-control. Holy Spirit, help me because I can't do it in my own strength. I'm not going to get angry at that person who's cut me off on the freeway. I'm going to bless them and not curse them. Oh, he's like, everyone's like, oh, hey, take it easy. It's, it gets real. Yeah, it's, it's all good when we're talking about like at the moment of conversion, isn't it? It gets a little bit more real when we talk about choosing Jesus every day. Finally, we're clothed in Christ eternally. The imagery of being clothed in Christ, and we, we touched on this before, describes this transformation of our bodies that will take place when we're resurrected from the dead. Paul explains that this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. As we wait for that day, in the meantime, we're waiting for it. We read this, and we read this before. We groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may be, not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan. We're being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Until we stand before Jesus in eternity. He says, welcome son, welcome daughter. He looks at us as his, as his bride coming down the aisle. Until that time, we groan and we go, you know what? God, clothe me further. God, clothe me further. God, you know, Paul says that at times I do that which I don't want to do. But we don't stay in that place. We say, Lord, I come to you again. Clothe me further with your presence. Lord, let me know your goodness. Lord, let me see your face. Lord, wash me clean again. Every believer has put on Christ by virtue of trusting Jesus and what he's done for us. This isn't a question of like, oh, but have I or haven't I? If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have. Yet we're also called to put on the character qualities, to put on the characteristics, the virtues that reflect our identity as children of God. You have put on Christ. And you need to continually be putting on Christ. And in eternity, you will have put on Christ. Do you understand that? You understand, it's like what has been, what is being done, and what will be done. We pursue this in the anticipation of that day. When we take off our mortal bodies, this, these bodies that hold us back. Have you ever like wanted to fly? Like I, I spent a lot of time as a, as a kid just wanting to fly. I literally climbed onto the top of like the, the monkey bars with um, the biggest umbrella I could find, like a Bunnings umbrella, and just jumped off. 
Mum freaked out. She thought, said it was not a good idea. Like, I just want to fly. I'm like, this body's holding me back. <laughs> I just want to, like, you know, I just want to take like three steps and go. Woo! I often have flying dreams. I don't know. I don't know about you. Maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe that's just me, and I'm a little bit odd. I used to jump off things all the time. To my, honestly, often to my detriment. So I was like, maybe this time, Jesus. Woo! I mean. What do they say in Toy Story? That's not flying, that's falling with style. <laughs> but we're like anticipating this day that this body that's holding us back is laid aside and we're with him in eternity. That the full effect of Christ's own resurrection body is made known to us. My question for you this morning, for us, is what are you wearing? You see, although we put on Christ at conversion and we're called to continually choose to put on Christ day to day, and he's dealt with those filthy rags. He says, they're not yours anymore. And he gives us robes of righteousness. And he gives us beauty instead of ashes. And he gives us these, the, you know, the, the, these things that beautify us in our spirit. So often, we still choose to pick up those filthy rags again and put them back on our back. Even though we've been set free from sin and death. So often we still choose to sin again. What are you wearing? What do you need to put off today? Are the things that you've picked up again or that you're walking in that actually you can lay aside because of the gift of salvation, the garments of salvation? You can actually, you, go, you don't have to wear that thing anymore. You don't have to wear that guilt and shame anymore. Yes, there might be consequences. Yes, there might be some ongoing things that you have to work through. But that's not your identity anymore. What do you need to lay aside today? What do you need to lay down? The Lord wants to cover your guilt and shame. He actually wants to take it away and give you new identity, new garments, Will you choose him? This is a choice for every single one of us. But it starts at the point of salvation. It starts for those who may be here this morning and you've actually never made Jesus the Lord of your life. The starting point of everything we've been talking about and we're going to talk about in the weeks to come is to say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are. I'm sorry for trying to do it in my own strength, trying to make my own garments of salvation, trying to reach you, trying to do whatever it is. I'm sorry for my sin. Would you come and be the Lord of my life? I choose to follow you. If you're in that place this morning, the, 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 the Bible calls it the valley of decision. And you know because your stomach's in a knot and your heart's beating, because most of us have all been there. Everyone in this room who's chosen to follow Jesus have had this moment. If that's you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to lay aside those filthy rags, to lay, lay it aside and to receive 
the garment of salvation. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.